Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, the latest Irish Times poll has reiterated what previous polls have found. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are on the way down and Sinn Féin continues to be the most popular party in the state. Barring some unforeseen electoral disaster, Mary Lou Macdonald may well be the next Taoiseach. So what would a Sinn Féin-led government do differently? Danny McConnell is political editor with the Irish Examiner. Danny, good afternoon. Sean, how are you? Would it be fair to say that Sinn Féin has been moving gradually toward, you know, to a centre-ish position, at least in some areas? I wouldn't say moving slowly I think they've been running headlong you know abandoning former policies to beat the band uh, since the idea since the last election in particular uh, when they where they claimed they won the election anyway they didn't but they they, they certainly out, outperformed yes, most indeed. people even, the, even yeah. what they thought they were going to do um, they have continued on this mantra of change that they are offering change against the very tired looking Fianna Gael and the kind of their partners in crime Fianna Fáil and the Green parties who are the kind of mudguard for both of the, the other two parties and what they're offering basically is we're the party who are in touch with real life you know the, the struggling people who can't get a mortgage people who can't get childcare people who can't afford childcare or get a hospital bed or so on and so on and mm. so on. So what we did in the Irish Examiner a couple of months ago was look at all of Sinn Féin's policies, their current policies as to where they stand. And we've looked and see, we've looked, looked to try and go at um, what have they abandoned? What have they? What are they saying now? How do they different and how credible those policies really are? Um, and, you know, a lot of them will say, you could say, are they're well within the beltway of what the other parties are suggesting anyway. Yeah. They all want more hospital beds, they all want more hospitals, more doctors, more nurses, more schools, all the rest of it. They, you know, they, they're still holding on to the, some idea of a kind of a wealth tax, but it's a much more watered down than what, you know, compared to what they were talking about 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, Sinn Féin are becoming a centrist party. They're becoming a normal party. Um, and whether or not they can do it and maintain, I suppose, their traditional core voter base remains to be seen. Because, you know, it's one thing being in opposition, demanding all these things and talking about all these things. It's another thing in government altogether, having to pay for it and actually being making the tough decisions and actually disappointing people. Yes, <laughs> that's government for you. Yeah. Uh, the, the, but I suppose the line of attack from all the other parties against Sinn Féin is that, you know, they're economically illiterate, they can't do sums. Yeah. Uh, would it be fair to say Pierre Starry has done a lot of work in uh, making them far more credible in that regard? He, more than anybody else, I think, has, has certainly sought to change that, that, that mantra or that perception. And I I think they they got a big win in 2016. You might remember when Fine Gael, uh, under Michael Noonan and Fianna Fáil under Michael McGrath, were you know we're talking about the fiscal space. This is the first time that mm. dreaded phrase about how much money we might actually have uh, to spend going ahead because we were coming out of that period of austerity. We were actually growing again. We could actually stop talking about cutting. We were talking about you know kind of spending more money again. And it was Pierce Doherty more so than anybody else who actually had his numbers right on that particular occasion. So like they're not. I suppose, fully washed of their illiteracy, so to speak. I mean, there are some of their, their policies that we found, you know, are a bit watery, are, mm. are a bit lacking in sort of the robustness that you'd want to see from a, you know, a government going into or a party going into government. But on large parts, you know, they're mirroring or they're very close to what the other parties are suggesting. Like, they're not talking about a revolution anymore. They're not talking mm. about trying to bring down the entire system anymore. Um, but what they are trying to do is emphasise public ownership in terms of hospitals, say public ownership and public land, that sort of stuff. The only difficulty is, is the mantra sounds good, 
the actual mechanics of delivering that are always are, 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 are are going to be tricky. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, somebody is listening to us now, uh, having just watched uh, uh, washed their Mercedes outside their house in Fox Rock, terrified that Mary Lee MacDonald will tax them out of existence. Are there plans in, in, in their manifesto for enormous taxes well, on the rich? So what they're talking about, so previously they would have been talking about a wealth tax, like in terms mm. of a straight kind of wealth tax. Now, Pierce Doherty, since COVID, has been talking about a kind of a solidarity tax of about 3% above €140,000. Mm. Now, of that portion above 140000 he would emphasise it's not three, an extra 3% on all your income. But what they're talking about is essentially a tapering system on incomes, you know, kind of a... Yeah, essentially, the, the, your bands you'd essentially pay more the more you move up over a hundred hundred thousand euro, um, and ultimately what they're trying to moving away from is that straight kind of wealth tax over you know uh, at a very low level. I mean, they were previously talking kind of a wealth tax over seventy five thousand euro. I mean, you, you'd be hammering the very sort of people who are now looking towards Sinn Fein now if you're going to do that. So that they've moved up the level that they're talking about and they're also doing them in a much more watered down fashion than where they were previously. The one area that they're not for change is on, so there's a very controversial tax break for very high tech executives called SARP, which mm. I think the, um, uh, let me just get the official title here, is, yeah, so it's a special assignee relief programme. So basically you can, you can, uh, you can give 55 millionaires worth uh, tax breaks of about 110,000, 111,000 euro a, a year. Mm. Now, the argument for doing it is that you attract the likes of the Facebooks and the Googles who create an awful lot of jobs in this country, very well-paying jobs in this country. Sure. The downside is that you essentially have a two-tier tax system and if you're one of these very special people, you pay very low tax uh, compared to, say, your ordinary doctor, nurse, teacher, journalist, mm. you know, it's hard, radio it's host. Hard, yeah, it's like. hard to imagine, though, that if they got rid of SARP that, you know, Google would pull out completely. No, it wouldn't. But I think, you know, what is very interesting is that Sinn Féin, who would have, you know, been very critical around the 12.5% corporate tax rate previously, are now saying they're signing up. They agree with the BEPS programme. This is the, the you know, our move last year to yeah. 15%. They believe in the international model now. So they're, they're at them with the government really on that which is significant. Right, okay. Because I suppose they're at the point now because we don't know when the le- next election might be, but yeah. th- there's, well, it's, even if it's within a three-year timescale, that there are corporations, large corporations operating in Ireland thinking, well, we better kind of have a few meetings here. Well, they're already Mary happening. Lou. They're already yeah. happening. Uh, like the likes of Pierce Doherty and Mary Lou MacDonald have, have been meeting chambers of commerce and have been meeting the techs, the big tech companies to kind of say, oh, well, what would a Sinn Féin government actually look like? And I think what they've been trying to do is not scare the absolute bejesus out of them and say, listen, we'll take all our money elsewhere because they like being in Ireland. You know what I mean? Like, mm, like yeah. they, they get a, generally get a very favourable deal here. Um, um, but I, I do, and I think what the fear would be is that they would actually start slapping proper <laughs> you know, tax rates on these companies <laughs> rather than the kind of effective zero or zero two percent that they they have largely been getting away with for for a long period of time here. Yeah. So I don't I don't get the sense, like I said, there won't be any great revolution here, but I do think there will be moves and symbolic moves against high earners, you know, mm. from Sinn Fein in order to talk up this talk of solidarity for for the low paid. Yeah, and I would imagine Sinn Fein's other great strength is is in housing. Yeah. Uh, um. The, the, w- they certainly they you know they have credible uh, spokespeople on it, but in concrete terms, what are they going to do and how are they going to pay for it? So they're talking about an extra twenty thousand public homes, social, affordable, and, and affordable rental every year until the housing lists are finished with or kind of have been largely dealt with. They're talking about rent bans. You know this idea that happened yeah. during COVID nineteen. They're talking about rent bans. They're talking about uh, public only land should be used for public housing. So they don't like this idea that a public you know that you might have ten acres out on the outskirts of Dublin that was public land might be owned by 
the OPW or one of the councils and you put in a mixed you know, private and they don't like that at all. They're going for a public only kind of idea. Okay. Now, the difficulty is, is that it's much, much slower in terms of actually delivering. The pragmatic reality is that the state is very slow when it comes to actually delivering houses. Yeah. There was a project built out in uh, an old folks kind of development out in Ballantyre, which Dara Bryan opened last month. And it was eight years between kind of conception and delivery. Like we're at nothing if that's the way it's going to be. So, yeah, you, yeah. so there are there are legitimate concerns about what Sinn Fein are talking about. It sounds great. The mantra sounds good, and the and the soundbite sounds good. But the pragmatic reality of politics, when you've got Sinn Fein itself and other parties opposing large deve- large scale developments at council level, you know there are there are in- inconsistencies, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, and on climate change, obviously they've been against uh, carbon taxes. Yeah, and that's and they, they're weakest probably on on climate. And the and the go- you would have been very noticeable in the last few weeks. You've seen around this talk around turf and this talk mm. around the carbon emissions that that now have to be agreed in the next couple of weeks. You've seen a very direct line of attack from government saying Sinn Fein are weakest on on climate change. Like you say, they oppose the current carbon tax increases, even though we're way behind in terms of what, where we need to in terms of emissions and you go through all of their policy documents that they gave to us like it, it's very thin it's yeah. very very thin like and they're very they're very light on specifics they're nowhere near as say kind of I would say adventures probably but, but as progressive as say the Green Party or even Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are in terms of where you know in recognising where Ireland's actual position is so they are They've a lot of work to do in terms of their climate. Yeah, um, and is that intersects with agriculture to some degree. Yeah, uh, are they a bit better on agriculture? Well, you see, I again was not overly convinced by what they said about agriculture, and I'm just going to get my document here. But yeah. um, like, you know, obviously the big question around at the moment is should the national herd be culled or not, or mm. do you think emissions or whatever like that? And what you get is a lot of waffle around. We need to support the agriculture industry. We need to. We believe in yeah. the Mercosur deal. You know, we we believe you know in Ireland's beef production and so on and so forth. But there's no specifics about how you right. do it. Yeah, no specifics um, about how you do it. Like. Yeah, that's and a tricky one. And the, the, I, I suppose the criticism that could be, you know, and it's not their fault. They've never been in government, no. so they they will have a relatively inexperienced uh, team of ministers. Now, we, many of the the TDs that were elected the last time out were green around the years as well. I think one of them was on holidays at the time she was elected. She wasn't even expecting it. But um, Sir Ryan in, in Tipperary, look, I mean, who needs who needs to go canvassing during a general election to top the poll? Like? <laughs> but but is that an issue? And I suppose most importantly, does Sinn Fein recognise that as an issue and is trying to get you know all their potential front bench people up to speed? Absolutely. And what you see is a very much a two tier operation within Sinn Fein. And uh, what you see is their sort of officer guard, the likes of the Pierce Doherty's, the McCarty's, mm. Louise O'Reilly's, you know, within a kind of a particular camp. And even physically, their offices are on, you know, they're on above ground floor in Leinster House. The ne'er-do-wells and the kind of the also-rans are in the basement. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're sort of forgotten about. Um, so they do believe that they've got a kind of a good cohort, at, you know, in their in their key ministries or key kind of uh, spokes or portfolios but they also know to re- need to realise they're not going to go into government by themselves yeah. like you know they will be sharing government with somebody else so it's not like they will appoint their entire front bench so there are a lot of people who are occupying spokespersons positions now for Sinn Féin who are going to be very disappointed because they will not be in government That's I suppose one of the key questions who will go into government with them? Well you would have to say They've made no effort to try and court the likes of the Labour Party, Social Democrats or any of the kind of smaller groups on the left because they re- they've, they've, like they don't talk, they don't reach out, they don't generally kind of make an effort to, mm. you know, like you would often see in, in opposition quietly deals being done, I'll back you on this if you back me on this, that sort of stuff or the horse trading that can, can sometimes happen. They're not doing any of that. And even like 
it was an example of the vote the other night, you know, not giving Bernard Durkin and Fine Gael a pair because he was at home having COVID-19. It's that yeah. sort of stuff that you kind of go, lads, that's just, you're going to lose the vote anyway. That's just silly politics. Like, that's just, you know, like, mm. the, ultimately you're going to need to do deals with people, particularly in, in the spectre of a coalition. So it's very hard to escape the conclusion that it will be a Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil coalition next time around. Would... Why doesn't Fianna Fáil realise that Sinn Féin are actively stealing their clothes? Why would they even consider doing that? Because you would argue, well, the argument would be is that if, okay, if Sinn Féin come back with the most seats, Mm. someone has to go into government with them. Yeah. Otherwise, do you want to be blamed for causing a second general election? So they may be forced, you know, against their wish, better wishes, they may be forced to go in. Second of all, there might be an arrogance or a feeling that we are very good at government. We've been in government many, many times and these newbies will have, you know, a lot of kind of ground to make up and we can run rings around them in the early stages of, okay. of a government um, and the other thing is that you stymie you in to stymie the Sinn Féin agenda as much as you can like you go in you agree a programme for government but you water it down you slow them up you slow them up and you make them basically you drag them into the centre like, and then you hopefully can eke out some own, uh, your own identity mm. that's been Micheál Martin's great play so far it hasn't been very successful this idea that they're a centrist party a buttress against the extremes of Fine Gael on, on the right and Sinn Féin on the left um, uh, it hasn't really been working but again like ultimately people are fundamentally looking at government and saying you have failed on housing you have failed on health get out of those sorted and we might look at you again Yeah, but they haven't and they're unlucky to have sorted that by the time the next general election comes around so that's, well, that's, that's where Sinn Féin can really like there's no coincidence that Sinn Féin have been hammering the cost of living at leaders questions I think 85 or 90% of the time since the start of the year like they're doing it for electoral gain they're doing it to make this government even more unpopular um, and they're going to continue to do so. Yeah. In the last election in the North, as you know, the, the, their uh, uh, Sinn Féin are well known for being a very disciplined party in, in those kind of electoral outings as well. Do you th- it, it, come the next general election here, do you think that talking about a border poll, talking about a Northern Ireland, that element of their uh, manifesto might be dialed down a wee bit? Definitely. Definitely. I, I think the idea of Sinn Féin being the ruling party North and South well, it might be enough to kind of freak out a number of people, particularly older people who have mm, a lot of memories yeah. around the Troubles and, and before that. Uh, and also as well, like, you know, Sinn Féin still have a journey to do to convince an awful lot of people that they are a fully democratic party. You know what I mean? That they, the, the ties of the past still loom large to an awful lot of people. Um, and I think, but that that's talking of an older generation. That's not mm. necessarily my generation or younger. It's like they're, they're definitely kind of the scars of, of what happened. Uh, and, you know, you've got the glorification of, you know, David Cullinan's up the Ra in 2020 and other stuff like that, which are just kind of harbingers or kind of lookbacks or whatever the yeah. right phrase is. They're, they're kind of they're kind of visceral kind of reminders that you know where where they come from. Now the country is in a much better place than we were 20, 30 years ago. Obviously, if we we would hope that we can get a working you know working assembly and, and executive up the north, but the idea of having a Sinn Fein led government north and south is one that I think a lot of people would have, you know, pause for thought on. Yeah, they mightn't stop them winning 50 seats no. or so. Danny, thanks a million. Thanks uh, as ever, Danny McConnell there, political editor with the Irish Examiner. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Want to take a break after that? Have you gone mad praying for Debs? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.